0: If you have your Bibles with you and you'd like to join as we read together, we're going to look at... It would help if I had my uh, sermon, wouldn't it? (laughs) There we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 16 through 21 this morning. Paul, the Apostle... God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Sunday after Easter, in in case you're new to us, we launched a new series on Christian hospitality here at Huguenot Road Baptist Church called Being Neighbor. And our hope is that through the work of the Holy Spirit, we might become more and more like Jesus, that we are transformed and become more and more like Jesus. And when that happens, we, we believe that the church, our church, will become more and more reflective of the body of Christ. And because of that, that our community will become more and more reflective of the kingdom of God, that we will see more and more people who are out seeking justice and righteousness and looking after the needs of the poor and the orphaned and the widow, as Scripture uh, reminds us that all of those um, in need who are around us uh, will be influenced and impacted by the work that goes on through the church. We, as as a church, are learning to build bridges and not barriers, that there would not be any kind of hindrance that uh, occurs when we are out in the community, that people will see Jesus in us. No, we are not perfect, but uh, we live out the ministry of reconciliation, showing people that God in His Son, Jesus Christ, has reconciled us unto Himself through the cross, and that we therefore can go and share that message of reconciliation with others. This is practicing Christian hospitality, and we believe our key thought today is that practicing Christian hospitality will lead lasting fruit that people will see the evidence that I've described. People, people be more and more like Jesus, the church more reflective of the body of Christ and the community around us more reflective of the kingdom of God, that the, the practicing hospitality, truly being neighbor will yield this lasting fruit when people are reconciled to one another and when people are reconciled to God. One of the basic truths that we have embraced in this series by word of recap is that passage in Matthew 25, 40 where Jesus says, Whatever you did for the least of these my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. That when we show hospitality and view, view, when we view hospitality through the understanding that Christ is indeed present in the guest, in the neighbor that we encounter, everything changes. We begin to see others as God sees them we begin to listen with understanding we're not in such a hurry we pause and plant ourselves and we actively listen to the person who is across from us next to us this is empathy truly seeking to understand where that person's coming from truly seeking to understand what it is like to be in their shoes to walk in their shoes putting ourselves in that person's situation and imagining what it must be like and how we can build bridges in their lives that they could come to know the Christ that we so love. Walls come down, bridges are built, relationships are restored. I believe that for reconciliation to occur, empathy is required, that we must truly seek to understand where other people are coming from and then build relationships that might become lasting relationships. One example that I have in my own family is is, um, through my brother-in-law. He's uh, one of the ministers at a church in Toronto, Canada. And when I read this story about what their church is doing in refugee resettlement, it helped me to be reminded that churches must root themselves And be welcoming. We've learned that here. That we must not only be welcoming people. But our campus should be welcoming. And how do people see it when they come? And how do we greet people? And is it easy to get around? And these kinds of things. We've also learned about being hospitable hospitable in worship. And welcoming others as we've gathered in the sanctuary. We've learned that meals around the table are important and that vibrant community groups will not only grow, but they will bear fruit. And we've seen how we can strengthen our community groups here at HRBC. The next two sermons will also focus on some of the fruit of reconciliation, of fruit of hospitality. The first is reconciliation. The other being community outreach. And the third being the perception that other people have of the church. But in this, in this theme... My brother-in-law's church really models this hospitality, building bridges and seeking reconciliation. You might know that Melanie's the middle of three children. Her older brother Rick is 50, a couple of years older than we are, and several years ago, about when his son, about 5 years ago when his son entered UVA, he made the decision to enter seminary. He had been a, an attorney practicing an attorney for his entire career and had been struggling with God's call on his life and finally surrendered to that call and said yes to begin the seminary. So he and his family moved. His son was at UVA, but he and his wife and daughter, who was a high school student at the time, going into high school, I believe, moved to Toronto, and he entered the Wycliffe Seminary there and had been working to become an Anglican priest and now has graduated from seminary and he's serving at St. Clement's Anglican Church there in Toronto. And there's a picture there you can see of the, of the parish building. Rick is um, on his way to ordination. Recently, he became ordained as a deacon. And in that tradition, that's the, the uh, main step before full ordination into the priesthood. The church has been significant in ministry, and Rick has been in a wonderful environment. There's Claire with him and uh, celebrating that deacon ordination. It's uh, much different than the way that deacons function here in the Baptist tradition. But the church has a significant ministry to refugees in Toronto. And it's one of, uh, if you don't know, Toronto is one of the most welcoming cities to internationals uh, in the world especially refugees who are trying to find freedom from persecution, both religious and ethnic, and it's wonderful to, to see what, what's happening here in Toronto. St. Clement's has sponsored a family from Syria through this relationship with refugee resettlement, and next Sunday, uh, the, this family, the entire family, will be baptized at St. Clement's church. Now we know that we don't minister to people to use them as some kind of a project that uh, we hope that we can uh, you know boast about new n- numbers of baptism and all of that and St Clement's is is definitely not doing what they do for that reason but this family has made the decision to come Uh, to Christ and will be baptized on Pentecost Sunday. Here's a following, uh, an excerpt uh, from their most recent church newsletter. The Great Feast of Pentecost, May 15th, is going to be particularly meaningful for our community this year. The Brimo family, who our community at St. Clement's School have sponsored from Syria, will be baptized as Christ followers at the 11 o'clock service. The Brimo family are originally Yatzidi, Kurdish speaking, which which is a particularly persecuted religious minority in the Middle East. Yatzidi girls have been specifically targeted by ISIS for human trafficking. And you can imagine the horrors of that. While this family were refugees in Lebanon over the past number of years, the pastor writes. The Brimo family began attending an Anglican church. They did that in Lebanon. Bashir, the father, was particularly moved by how he observed Christians. And this this really struck me. Loving people without wanting anything in return. Loving people without wanting anything in return. Both Bashir and his wife, Mafutza have spoken eloquently about encountering and experiencing God in prayer during difficulty in those years. They wanted to be baptized in Lebanon, but circumstances did not make this easy. So hence, coming to Toronto and being adopted by the school at St. Clement's, the uh, family has just been welcomed and has experienced the love and the grace and the reconciliation of Jesus Christ and they will be joining this parish through baptism. But the reason that Bashir, the father, and the family was moved to trust Christ was because of the Christians he encountered, not only in Lebanon, but also there in Toronto, loving them without wanting anything in return. And it struck me that how often do we as Christians really live that out? That's what reconciliation's all about, that God and His Son Jesus Christ without... um, any requirements on our part other than just receiving it, said, come to me. And the song we sang earlier, Draw Me Close. Draw Me Close to Your Side is what reconciliation is about. We don't see others as a conversion project. We don't see others as less than we are. We don't see others as a means to bolster church growth or to enhance our denominational report. We simply want to love others without expecting anything in return. And sometimes when we do that, people will respond to the gospel and enter the kingdom of God and become part of the church. Sometimes that may not happen, but if we're living out the gospel of Jesus Christ, the ministry of reconciliation, sometimes we can see the transformation that has happened in the Bashir family in our own churches this is what we've learned about in this series. We are called to love others without wanting anything in return. When we do this, our churches, our people will become more and more like Jesus, our churches more reflective of the body of Christ and the communities around us more like the kingdom of God. So I said already today there are some um, three major kinds of fruit that we see in the minis- in reconciliation or in Christian hospitality, reconciliation, community outreach, and the perception that others have of the church. So in a few moments that we have remaining today, let's look at reconciliation and what Paul reminds us of in his second letter to the Corinthians. Remember, the Corinthian church had a lot of problems, and the letter, 1 Corinthians, is really addressing the problems that they had in church unity and uh, dis, disunity and some behavior problems that were really affecting the church in a t- significant way. And Second Corinthians uh, is, is writing uh, uh, to, to help them to continue in their journey. They have been experiencing healing and had done some wonderful things. So the first thing we see is that we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. We read that earlier in the passage. We are reconciled to God in Christ. Verse 18a shows this to us. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. It's from God. It doesn't come from anywhere else. It's from God. We receive the gift of reconciliation because of the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross. God took the first step in restoring humanity's separation from God. And then we just have to receive it. So when you think about Jesus stretching his arms out on the cross, that's the work of reconciliation that Jesus has done for us, stepped in and took our place. And all we have to do is is simply say, God, I am sorry. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Help me to be right with you. We are reconciled to God through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Paul makes this very clear to us. There's no other way that we can be reconciled, not on our own works. It simply is a gift from God. And then Paul in 18b, the last part of that same verse, he, he says that we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. Listen to this who reconciled unto himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are commissioned to model reconciliation as individuals and as a church. The word, Christian, you'll love this as our deacon coordinator, the word translated uh, into ministry is the Greek word diakonia. It's, this, it's the word where we derive deacons. And you and I as believers in Christ have been given the ministry of reconciliation. That means that you and I have the gift, the wonderful opportunity to serve others, to represent Jesus, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, that through us being the hands and feet of Jesus, that people may see in us something different, something new, something caring, something compassionate, and that they might want to be a part of that. And like the Bashir family may come and to be Part of the family of God. But even if somebody chooses not to do that, we can still be those who have the ministry of reconciliation, that we serve others in that way. And then the the next important part of this passage is in verse 19, third, that God has tasked you and me with the message of reconciliation. That's verse 19 that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us, tasked us, the message of reconciliation. The Greek word here is logos, translated message, and that is the word of reconciliation. So you and I have the opportunity to not only serve others and share the The message, but we can embrace the word of reconciliation. That we can go and we can tell other people about the good news of Jesus Christ. We can live out the gospel with our words and our deeds. Matthew, you hinted to this in your prayer this morning. So we have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation, the message. And we are, as Paul says in this same letters, in the same letter, ambassadors of the message of Jesus. An ambassador is one who is sent to go and proclaim good news. So we are ambassadors by our words and actions. We are able to share the power of reconciliation. So my question for all of us, myself included, is are we willing to take the first step? I think that's the hard part just as God took the first step in reconciling us to Himself through Christ our Lord, we too as Christian people are called to take that first step. And that's hard. So I I want to ask you today to to think about a person or perhaps a a group or perhaps someone in your family. I don't know what that is, but um, is there... Someone you need to reconcile with. And are you and am I willing to take the risk, to take that first step, even though they may not say, you're forgiven. Even though we may not get the answer that we desire, are we willing to at least take that first step? Often we'll wait for somebody else to take, I'm not, you know, that, he was, you know, she, I'm, I'm not going there. But when we do take that first step, we are modeling that ministry of reconciliation. And you never know what God can do in a situation like that. Now, I will say um, there are some relationships that perhaps are hurtful to us and going there could cause emotional, physical, or spiritual harm. So I, I do understand that there, there may be some situations where that is not possible. And I would encourage you to handle those kinds of situations with good counseling. Good Christian par- par- pastoral counseling can help you to take that step if taking that step with that person is not possible. Possible. And I hope that makes sense. And I'd be happy to talk more with you if you are trying to take some steps in that healing place. Okay. But how can we take that first step to reconcile with others? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father.